So, you know when you're writing a sermon, Reagan, what's the most difficult part about writing a sermon to you? All of it. <laughs> no, no, tell me the most difficult part. It's the intro. It's the intro. Once you get the intro written, the rest flows, right? Sure, Bible study, exegesis. Yeah, that takes time. Sure. But like, once you nail the intro, the rest kind of starts flowing. And that's how I feel about podcast intros, <laughs> right? That's how I feel about podcast. Once you get it nailed down. It's fine. The rest flows. You're good. The rest is easy. The rest flows. But if you don't get a good podcast intro, like yo, yo, yo. So let's let's loop this all the way back. A good podcast intro, like yo, 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 starts the podcast off on a good foot. I've got nothing better. So at this point, just go with it. Beautiful, beautiful. Yo, yo, what is up, guys? My name is Victor, a student pastor at a church in North Carolina. And my name is Reagan Jones, also a student pastor at a church in North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified-ish conversations with pastors who have not figured it not out. Not at all. Uh, by, by any means. We we have like our we have an outline for season one yeah. we have you know what episodes we want to record boom 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 we're like these are the things we're dealing with and sometimes it's just really good to just throw the outline in the trash of course and kind of go our own route because this podcast is literally just us talking about like, things like, that we're dealing with right? it's, like, it's like sermon writing you know the outline is great at some point <laughs> Step out from behind the pulpit. You know what? Like the Lord gave me a word uh-huh. for you today, and like mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened with this podcast. You put your notes down, <laughs> and you let the Holy Spirit kind of take over. It's like, oh, he's, right, he's your transcript. He's serious. <laughs> your, wow. Your transcript goes out the window. Yeah. Okay, and it's game time. Okay, game whatever time. comes out of your mouth from that point on is not your responsibility. It's, some some of the best things that have come out of my mouth have come from those moments. Some of the worst things that have come out of my mouth. Some of the things have come those moments. that will never. Those things will get you fired oh, sometimes. One, okay, one hundred percent. So this podcast will be really good or really bad because of that. Um, Our jobs are on the line. Yeah, is what we're saying. But this, uh, I, I ended up calling Victor like two or three hours ago, and man, like it was one of those days where I think it's also one of those seasons where like affirmation has just kind of been on my heart, um, and the words people say, whether positive or negative, uh, the things the crowd say, the thing my inner circle says. This is just something that I'm like. I've been wrestling with a lot as a pastor. I've been wrestling a lot with as a person. Um, and also knowing how the enemy uses affirmation and how we were also wired for affirmation. I'm like, there's a whole gold mine of content in there. And so we're just going to unpack today the lie of affirmation and what that looks like in our lives. Yeah, I when you called me to bring up this topic, I was like, man, that's so good. Because I think out of all the difficulties I've had being a student pastor, this is one of the difficulties that I think has spanned from the day I signed my contract to this morning when I woke up and as, as especially as just like people like we're built to desire and want and almost like thrive on this idea, like affirmation. And so when you called me, I was like, yeah, we have, we have to talk about affirmation because like I, when I'm not being affirmed in what I'm doing, it's almost like I can't function. Yeah. It's almost like I'm not able to do it. And if I'm not being affirmed, then clearly I'm in the wrong ministry. Right. 100%. So yeah, I was like, Let, we have to talk about this. This is a must have. Well, and I think this is a unique thing. Cause like our podcast is going to bounce back and forth between a pastoral podcast and just a life podcast and walking in our twenties. And like, there are some topics where it's like, losing Jesus in your theology, that's going to lean more in the seminary route and the pastoral route. Yeah. There's also going to be things like loneliness. It leans more to just like life in general. This is one of the unique topics that I think kind of has like a foot in both. So like whether you're in ministry or whether you're just like someone trying to live life, like we've all, every single one of us desires affirmation to some degree. Cause like I, I'm not an Enneagram person. Like I, 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 know, I know there are some people that are like live and breathe and die by the Enneagram and God bless you. Um, and that's their gospel. That's, that's their gospel, man. And I'm like, the Enneagram is really good, but because affirmation has become a number, it's become like, a, it's become a love language in a sense. Um, now we assume that, oh, well, if I'm not a words of affirmation person, therefore affirmation doesn't mean anything to me. 
And that's not the case. Oh, that's good. That's not the case yeah. at all. Like affirmation, whether you are a words of affirmation person or whether words don't really mean that much to you, it is present. A desire to hear, well done, I love you, I'm proud of you, is present in every single human being. Um, yeah. And that's the place where we kind of want to start from tonight. Um, and so Vic, I'll kind of just toss this to you. Man, what... What does the Bible say about affirmation? Because the Bible needs to be our starting place for everything that we do. Um, so, man, how did yeah. how did God wire us, and what does the Bible say about affirmation? I I immediately think think back to pre fall Adam and Eve garden, right? Jesus, God creates this earth. He he creates this beautiful thing seven days, and Adam and Eve were created for community with each other and community with God. And at the fall, immediately when Adam and Eve chose to disobey this command from God, what's the first thing they do? They run and hide. They run, get out of there, clothe themselves. They want to hide behind something because they know that what they've done is wrong and what are they not going to get? They're not going to get the affirmation of the Father. In fact, they're going to get quite the opposite, and they deserved it in that instance. But I think what that shows is that in us, like from the beginning, we have this desire and it can be good and it can also be bad for people to accept us. We have this desire for people to look at us and say, I like what you're doing. And this can be a really prideful thing, but I also just think this is part of the way we're built, right? This is just part of part of how we are. Jesus in the garden garden as he's praying to the father is like, God, can I like get out of this? I don't want to be here. Right. In a, in a sense, like Jesus is looking for the affirmation of the father. Yeah. And then eventually what Jesus, when he's baptized, gets the affirmation of the father. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like you see these things presented in scripture. And so how do we take them, especially in a ministry context? And how do we look at man affirmation is good we need to seek it we also need to give it yeah oh, but also yeah. you know but like also how do we keep affirmation from becoming an idol that consumes us in ministry yeah and i think that's the balance that's the tension that we need to navigate that yeah. i don't really know you know i don't know someone that has perfected it right well that's why the podcast yeah. is called sanctified ish it's like <laughs> we, yeah give us we, give us a couple of years we'll get there we and know, then sanctified we'll we t- <laughs> know where we're going but we're not there yet <laughs> we'll um, tell you all the answers i think i think when you just start okay like okay we are wired for affirmation and that it's not necessarily a bad thing so i think like the flip side of when we we're talking affirmation there's like either the people that are like all in and it's it controls everything about me my mood my mind everything and there's also people that 100% reject it where it's like, I don't need anybody to tell me they're proud of me. Like, I'm good on my own. Like, I don't need your words. Yeah. I need your actions. And like, you do need actions. Like, you don't just need words. Yeah. But like, words are important because there is something in us that we desire someone to say, I love you and I'm proud of you simply because I am. Yeah. And because in that, there's something innate. It's, it's kind of like general revelation. It's like when you look at the stars, like there's something that's like, wow, there's a God of the universe that there is something that God has put inside of us that yearns to hear, I love you and I'm proud of you simply because I am. And that's the kind of love that God has for his people. And that's the kind of affirmation, like you hear in scripture, like the the reward for a life well lived is well done, good and faithful servant. Literally, it's affirmation from the Father. It is affirmation (laughs) from the Father. And all throughout scripture, he has said things about us as our identity, our identities as sons and daughters of the king. Like he has called us things and affirmed us in things. And then the thing that I see like in my life is like, I will trade those really awesome, amazing things that God has said about me. And dude, I will trade that for either lies that the enemy has told me or I will trade it for the affirmation of people. And the lies that the enemy tell me is just a distortion of what God has already spoke over me. And the affirmation of people, even though it may be good, it comes, it goes, and like it's it's, it's fleeting, and they love us and they hate us, and it's like, it's not consistent. Um, Yeah. And I I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we oftentimes trade the affirmation of our father for either the lies of Satan or the affirmation of other people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
literally the last like when we die christians when christians die go to heaven we are going to be affirmed by jesus right and you look in scripture ephesians 1 is a place that i love to go to you know you can debate the theology all you want but ephesians 1 is so beautiful because it says that before the foundation of the world yeah before a dust a speck of dust was in existence before anything existed except for God, he affirmed us. Yeah. He predestined us. He knew us. He said, you are mine. And when you think about it that way, how can any other affirmation from any other human yeah. be worth trading for the affirmation of God from before the foundation of the world? Dude. Like, it doesn't make sense, but we well, do it all the time. It doesn't make sense because our view of God is so small and comparable to who he is. So it's like, it's not that we're yeah. trading something so awesome for something that like isn't really that great. It's either that we have elevated the view of people because it's what's right in front of us. So it's like, yep. we haven't opened up our Bible in six months, but like we get the affirmation of people on a day-to-day -day basis and so like, that's what I see. So I'm going to elevate that. And we have this like, you become self-sufficient, you become self-sufficient. And we have this, like such a yeah. small view of God. Like it's the God of the universe. And yeah. he has thoughts of you. Like, like just like, like the God that put the billions and billions and billions of stars in the sky, the generations of people has thought about you and your name. And he has positive loving thoughts yeah. about you. That and so like, who are we, who yeah. are we to hold our pastors yeah. or our parents? Like when I say our parents, I mean, parents of the students in our ministry, yeah. who are we to hold, you know, the affirmations of our parents? We need those. They're good. Right. Yeah. But who are we to hold those in higher esteem yeah. than the affirmation of the father? Yeah. And I think sometimes we have a higher view of our boss, of the parents in our ministry, yeah. Of the students we're caring for than we do of Jesus. Yeah. And that's why we're so affected by it. But the thing is, it's like, like when you, when you vocalize it, it doesn't make sense. Well, because that's, that's just, that's the thing is like, dude, we know that we know yeah. that. And it isn't just like, Oh, well like love Jesus better. That's the solution. Like Vic, you and I love Jesus. But the reason we're talking about this is because we both suck at this. Like we're, we struggle right, right. to do this. So like the solution isn't just like, man, love Jesus more. It's like, I, I think of Hosea where it says like, uh, your love for God is like the morning dew. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. Ooh, come on. It's like our desire to hear the affirmation of God. It's like, yes, I know that intellectually, but prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. And like my heart yeah. slowly drifts away. And I'm like, dude, that's why you and I have talked about this. Like, I have so many reservations about doing a podcast. I have reservations about being... <laughs> on TikTok and like I, yeah. I've debated years like okay do we post sermon clips to Instagram um I'm a comm major so I'm like we need to be in all the medias and all the different places like this I, is your thing it's my thing and I've never been able yeah. to pull the trigger on it and I just recently did like a month or two ago and man I almost got off of it completely again because I'm like the comments I either found 100 yeah. percent worth and like hey I had a really good sermon because x amount of people said it was awesome or I went and like, man, my sermon sucked because someone said I was Joel Osteen or like I was, her I was heretical <laughs> or like, <laughs> don't worry, like, that comment got deleted. So, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, did I preach the truth? <laughs> did I preach the gospel? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so the father in that moment, I mean, J uh, uh, pastor JD Greer talks about this a lot where he's like, man, if I'm standing and I'm preaching and people aren't liking what I'm saying in the moment, I can picture the father looking down at heaven being like, Hey, that's my boy. Like, look at him go. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's an affirmation. That's a desire to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Not like well done. The masses love you because the masses won't love you because the masses crucified Jesus. And if they're going to crucify right. Jesus, they will either crucify you with their positivity and drive you into self-sufficiency, or they will crucify you with negativity and drive you away from the ministry altogether, which is exactly what the devil wants. Yeah. And it's, Man, I, I want to push into this idea that like hesitant to get on social media, hesitant to get on TikTok. 
And I find it really interesting because I think a lot of the affirmation that you saw on TikTok when you posted sermon clips was a direct answer to some prayers yeah. that you had been praying yeah. like a week before. And so I find it so fascinating how quickly Satan plots and plans to take something that is a potential answer to prayer yeah. and flips it around to, man, now it's an idol. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's the temptation of affirmation. I hold the parents' opinion in my ministry so high yeah. that they could recommend the craziest, most outlandish thing, but if they recommend it, I want to make them happy. I yeah. go do it without a second thought. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, and and I, I, I love that that's the touch, temptation. I love that you just touched on the devil there because that's why this is titled the lie of affirmation. Like it isn't that affirmation is a bad thing. Like like Vic talked about earlier where it's like we should be not only just like receiving affirmation in a, in a humble posture, but giving affirmation. Like yeah. that's one thing that like the church that we're a part of does really well. Like we do in staff meetings. There's like, there's praises, like anniversaries, like affirmation is a good thing. Yeah. And we should do that. The lie comes in when the devil will tell you you were either like your greatest failure or your greatest success and neither one of those things is true um yeah and he will come in and he will take what was meant to be a blessing to you and he will actually turn it to drive your heart into self-sufficiency or drive your heart away from the lord um and th that blows my that's mind. really good and i think yeah and it, it should you know and one of the like the reason i'm in ministry the reason I put down what I was chasing after in life, the reason I put down everything that I desired in that season of life was because of a large part was the affirmation of others. Yeah. Hey, Vic, like you need you need to consider ministry. This is my student pastor saying, hey, you might have a gift in this area. You need to go chase this. Right. Which the is biblical affirmation. It's biblical in community is biblical. That is biblical. Right? Yeah. It's when we it's when we put it on the pedestal and it becomes an idol that it becomes a distraction and actually pulls us further away from God yeah. than pointing us in the right direction. Because that's a huge thing. I mean, Reagan, there'd be times where we're on the phone. I'll come preach at apex or I'll come here. You preach somewhere. And it's like, yeah. man, I just need to affirm you real quick. Like, yeah, it's what, needed. what happened tonight was a gift. Like the Lord yeah. spoke and used you in unique and awesome ways. And that type of affirmation is good. Yeah. And we need to be ready to give that affirmation when it's warranted because yeah. people need it. You know what I mean? Like there are times yeah. when I've been discouraged in ministry, when I've been hurting, when I've been burnt out. Right. Yeah. And I've had a parent email me. Hey, I just want to say thank you. I just yeah. want to say thank you for everything you're doing, for the hard work you have. Like, I just want to affirm you in this. And that's something that God uses really to sustain me 100%. in a large part in a down season. Well, and so dude, there are moments when, when affirmation is huge. Yes. It's, it's a good thing. Cause like, there's a, I don't know if you had this, but I have a shoebox underneath my bed with every encouraging note that any, like any parent or student or yep. like volunteer has ever written to me. And I keep that in a box where I'm like, if I'm just feeling down, I have this well of encouragement that I can go to. And like affirmation is a legitimate spiritual gift like it is a, it is something that is meant for the edification of the church and like the edification of its people. So like, man, if affirmation is like, I feel really inclined in this area, praise God, God has gifted you that spirit for the edification of his church. Yeah. The problem that like I wrestle with is I'm like, man, like even when you're talking ministry, how do I not make the affirmation of people my goal in ministry? Like, how do I not... I, that's how I'm wired. So I, it's, it's never going to go away. And if we can bring this back to even like the, the social yeah. media and affirmation, you and I talked about this, like, is, is it something to retreat and run away from where I'm like, Hey, I know this is an issue for me. So I need to step back. Or is it something where it's like, man, mm -hmm. by nature, pastoral ministry is on a platform. And at yeah. some point you got to deal with it. And so I'm mm -hmm. like, I, I, I still don't know what the answer to that is. If I get off TikTok yeah. and and Apple podcast in the next three weeks, you know what happened, but I'm like, if I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to hold that man. Like I, I genuinely don't. Yeah. And 
like you see your sin nature come out in this. And so if, if, you know, you're a pastor and you've preached sermons before, then hopefully you resonate with this or I'm just a really bad sinner. But (laughs) over the summer, last summer, I had the opportunity to preach at a camp and early on in that camp was the big gospel presentation, right? Like you, you assume, you know, night three of camp, it's, you know, the gospel's preached, kids are getting saved, amazing things are happening, everyone's crying. It's, it's like your normal camp stuff. And I preach that sermon and 11 kids respond to come to know Jesus. Praise 11 God. kids. Praise God. And the first thing I think of, the first thing I think of when I get off the stage is I could have worded that better. I could have preached the gospel more effectively. Yeah. So that more kids would have responded. Yeah. Almost assuming that I was the one that held the power to save people. Yeah. Rather than Jesus. Yeah. And so what do I do? I go to everyone who works at that church. How do you think that sermon went? Mm-hmm. How do you think that went? Mm-hmm. How do you think that went? Not because I want genuine constructive feedback. Yeah. Because I want to be told well done more by them than by God. But it's even like, because I used to do this too. I would gauge the success of that sermon based off of like, man, if people came up to the lobby and they were like, dude, that really resonated with my heart and like genuinely trying to affirm me, I'll be like, wow, like, man, the spirit moved today. Praise God. Pat on the back. yeah, Yeah. But like if no one came up or if everyone was busy and they just, they went off to, to lunch or whatever, I would be like, Oh crap. Was was that bad? And like, I I used to go through all of these, like, and I would take either the negative stuff and amplify it times 10, or I would take the positive stuff and amplify it times 10. And I would find the success of the sermon validated by how people would respond to it. Um, like, bro, I think, I think you remember this. Like, I remember the first time somebody told me I sucked at preaching. Um, Which this is this is also the problem with young preachers. Not enough people tell us that we suck, and that's why we have yes. bad preachers. Yes, like bad. That's why we have pride. Yes. Um, I mean, it's just like maybe just I'm an athlete, but like the way you got better was that somebody coached you, and so you don't get better in preaching yeah. by someone saying like, "Wow, that was great, awesome, golf clap, move forward." Like, there's constructive criticism. Like, necessary. keep doing the same thing over and over and yeah. over again. Yeah. And so like I was in this preaching cohort a couple years ago and like I went in and like at, at, at my my home church, um, praise God, there's all these like seasoned saints and they would come up and tell me every time I preach like, man, you're so anointed. Like you just you're just such a good speaker. Like it's just and, like they were genuinely affirming spiritual gift. Um, but then you kind of drink your own Kool-Aid a little bit and like, you know what? Like I'm 19 years old. Like I'm kind of. I'm not that bad. Like I haven't been booed off stage before. Like no one's called me a heretic. Um, no one's throwing a tomato at me. No one's throwing a tomato. Like I'm, I'm not that bad. Um, self-sufficiency. That's what it leads to. And so yeah. um, then I remember coming to this cohort and we had a time limit. We had like 15 minutes to preach a sermon. And I got about a quarter of the way through my sermon in 15 minutes. <laughs> and I remember the pastor who was running it cut it off. And he was like, hey, man, you're at your time. If you ever do that at a church and you go over, you will never be allowed to preach there again. Number two, that doesn't sound like you. It sounds like you're trying to be somebody else and you need to have a seat. And dude, I had an existential crisis for three days (laughs) because I was like, if (laughs) if I'm not a great preacher, who am I? If I'm not getting like applauded on my back, who am I? And dude, I was like 21, 22 years old. Um... And that was the yeah. first time somebody had been like, hey, man, these are the things you could have done better. And now I look back and I'm like, that was the best thing that anybody has ever said to me, not just to like hold my preaching loosely, but also to point out the idol of affirmation that is yeah. so easily in my heart and so easy in the heart of a lot of us. The man, if it's not checked, yeah. if it's not checked on a continual basis, like... Even if you want to tie this back to the last podcast with marriage and spouses, like if you're talking like the affirmation, go listen to it. it. It's fantastic. But like, if you're talking about the the affirmation of a spouse, that like your your spouse is going to fail you in that. Like Vic, I'm not married. You are. But like Felicity has not like (laughs) affirmed you a hundred percent perfectly and you vice versa. That's not going to happen. For sure. 
for it's, sure. Yeah, I I preached a sermon, and <laughs> the first thing that I was told when I got off stage was, "Man, that intro, it sucked." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Tell me that in like a couple days." Yeah. <laughs> I need some time to to react. But no, you're yeah. so right, and this makes me think of the story in the Gospels and many of the Gospels where Jesus feeds the five thousand. Yeah. Right. And Jesus tasks his disciples to go and to collect food to feed this mass group of people. And so they come across this boy who surrenders his five loaves of bread and two fish. What was that boy's name? Uh, he doesn't have a name. What What other parts of scripture was he mentioned in? None. That boy is unnamed and unknown to Christianity as a whole. But because of his willingness to serve, Jesus fed the 5,000. Yeah, that's good. And the question I have to constantly ask myself is if I go unnamed, if I go unknown, can I die content with the ministry that i did bro it's like it's like that and old it's saying like, it's like when, when uh when you hear preach the gospel die and be forgotten it's like i want to be forgotten oh. after i die i want to be remembered right. like, right. for, forgive me when i'm gone here i want you to notice what i'm doing right. it's like and like it doesn't y'all work see like this that. hard work <laughs> yeah it's like notice and me, so notice it's me. just and and that's the question that I have to constantly ask myself. Am I okay dying yeah. unnamed and unknown for my ministry? Because I, I'll remember this probably forever. Last week, a sermon that, that our pastor taught, he said, spiritual gifts are not for show. They're to serve. Yeah. And when your spiritual gift becomes a show, you have a big problem. Yeah. And... I think student pastors, specifically student pastors that are especially gifted in certain areas where those giftings are evident to people, yeah, fall into the trap of man. Now my ministry becomes more of a show than it becomes a service to my people. Hold on, let, let me jump in here because I think what you just said is really important. So when we're talking about gifts for service or gifts for show, I remember you and I had a conversation about this because it was like, is what we're doing for show? Is any type right. of is any type of ministry on social media for show, and I think that's where it's it is a heart posture. It isn't the practice in which you do. And so, man, Jesus had yeah. a very public ministry. His heart posture was always to serve. And so, I think in the yeah. same way, you can be on public platforms. Christians should engage in public public platforms. That's the calm major for me sure. coming out. Like broken people are there. <laughs> the church needs to be there. Um, stay tuned because that episode's coming missions in the metaverse but like here we go you can also be on the public platforms to put on a show as well so it's not necessarily the vehicle in which you do it it's the heart posture in which you do but like we said earlier prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love like our hearts are not anchored and our hearts are continually moving away so if our heart posture and whatever avenue of ministry or just life in general is not checked. We're like, man, why am I doing what we're doing? Like I, I, I've had to do like, man, like if I'm coming on a TikTok and man, my heart doesn't feel in the right place today, I ain't posting. Um, the Lord yeah. is not dependent on my like 2000 followers on a TikTok. Like it's, it's <laughs> he's, he yeah. is, he is yeah. not dependent on that. Um, and if I never posted again, the gospel would move forward with just as much ferocity, if not more. Um, yeah. So it's a heart posture thing. Um, but I think Christians hear that where it's like, it's not for service or for show. And we're like, okay, any sort of public thing, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. And we go like the monastic monks and we retreat to the desert. Um, and we run and we hide when God has given us gifts for the edification of his church so that other people who are not in the church can look in and wonder like, hey, what is this about God? What is this about God? I want to come and know him. Um, yeah. That's what it's for. Yeah, that's good. And like when I think about how should pastors, how should people 
avoid the idol of affirmation. The first thing that I think of is a conversation that I had with a pastor a couple years ago, has a couple books, very prominent. One of the things he says is that I wake up, I wake up every morning desiring the affirmation of everyone in my life. And so what I have to do is I have to actively pray against the idol of affirmation. And he opened up his journal and literally the first thing written on every line of every day was God humble me. God humble me. God humble me. Make me not dependent on the opinion of man. Make me not dependent on the opinion of man. And that was his prayer every morning. And the pastor he's talking about is not the guy walking around in Air Force Ones and Jordans. This is like a a polo, khaki, collared shirt pastor. Like it's a TJ Maxx pastor. And he's the one. Right, right. Like he's the one where you open (laughs) it up. He shops at Home Goods. Yeah. (laughs) We love you, David Platt. he's He's a goodwill pastor. But it's like. You wouldn't expect <laughs> Platt to be the guy. You would expect like a flashy pastor or something like that. Like, yeah. But even him is prone to pro- it's prone to self sufficiency and uh, like affirmation. Yeah, and like if you've ever had the opportunity to watch some YouTube sermons from him or meet him in person, he exudes humility. Yeah, he just does. Like it is very clear that that is that that is something that he prays for continuously. Yeah. And I'm on far less of a platform, of a stage, have far less of an audience and a reach that David Platt does. Yet, I I experience significantly more of this affirmation idolatry than, and and it's like, why? And it's because I've built that statue so high. If you want to go I can't down, stop looking at it. If you want to go down this route, just like quick pastoral ministry side of this, like your life is the fruit of the prayers that you pray. And so when you see the 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 evidence in your life, man, like that is primarily because of the prayers you pray. Because the prayers that you pray are not to move God to action, it is to change your own heart and align your yeah. own heart with the desires of God's heart. And so it's like, man, like if I keep falling into pride. When's the last time I actually prayed for that? Like when's yeah. when's when's I when's the last time I prayed more of him, less of me? And what I just like realized yeah. this, this blew my mind. Every time I've prayed that prayer, that's like something I'll pray like like when I go up to preach. I'm like God, like more of you, less of mm-hmm. me. But I would I used to think of it through like a man of glorification, like let let them see more of you, let them see less of me. How naive is it to think that there can be because of what I would pray that they would see more of God. God can't like be increased by Reagan Jones. That is, that is heresy to the, the 10th degree. But I'm like, what that prayer is, is that like in my heart, in my life, let there be more of you and less of me. Um, and man, if you, if, if you struggle with like pride and affirmation, like me and Vic, that's an easy thing to pray in the morning where it's like, Lord, let there be more of you and less of me in my own heart today. If, if that is a particular issue of sin that is prevalent in your life, then there is almost no excuse to be actively praying against the temptation and seeking forgiveness for when you slip into that. Yeah. There, it has to become a cornerstone of your prayer life because as, as we grow in ministry, as we get older, not stepping stone into the next thing, but as we mature in our ministry, that is only going to become something that is more prevalent in our yeah. hearts and in our minds, whether or not our audience is growing. Yeah, Reagan has an audience of 250 and I have an audience of 13 and we both struggle with it. Yeah. And so it is something that has to be on the forefront of our minds and something that we are actively praying against. I mean, I even think of the passage of scripture where, where God talks about how he resists the proud yeah. and lifts up the humble. And at first I read that and I'm like, man, that is incredibly rude <laughs> to Christians who are prideful. I mean, sure. Maybe a little, you know, sanctification a slap on the wrist, maybe a little bit of like, yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit of discipline, but God, resisting you seems a little drastic. But what I came to realize was that in God resisting the proud, yeah, it actually causes us to tumble so far down 
that him resisting us almost forces us to take a posture of humility. Yeah. And God resisting the proud is one of the most loving things he can do for the proud. Amen. Because if he didn't do that, we would live in pride. Yep. And that would be the thing that we run off of, that the, the thing that we depend on, yep. and the thing that drives our ministry forever. Well, and this is something and that's why he resists us. This is something that we're gonna talk about in a future episode. Uh, we have a whole episode on pride, um, called Pride yeah. and Really Awesome, Fantastic Looking Pastors. <laughs> so, you know, clearly it's not something we deal with. <laughs> but it's like one thing that I've kind of been seeing, God has been teaching me in my own life, is that the fruit always reflects the root. And so pride is a fruit of the root that is affirmation. And so like when affirmation has become an idol in our own heart, one of the ways that you can know that is pride. And so like, if you're looking for like the detectors of like, man, have I made affirmation an idol? Man, where are you at with pride right now? Um, and yeah. that, that that's a good, just like check mark and a benchmark of like, if, if pride is spiraling out of control right now, that's probably because we're either putting too much worth in our work, too much worth in our own righteousness, too much work in the mm. words of other people, and therefore pride sprouts up from that. And Vic, as I kind of yeah. want to turn the corner here, I think this is where like there is a, we're both in student ministry, and I think this didn't start with our, our students' generation, um, but there's generations of people that call themselves Christians that do not know their Bible. Um, they know what their pastor tells them, but they do not know the Bible. Like this is, this is the whole point of the Protestant Reformation and Martin Luther is like the Catholic church would tell you what to do. Martin Luther says, sola scriptura, you know, nail stuff on the Catholic church. And then now it's like, you have to read your Bible for yourself. Yeah. We are experiencing similar things where we call ourselves Christians and we don't know scripture. And where that comes into play with affirmation is that you are hearing good things, negative things. You are hearing the words of people and we don't know the words of God. Yeah. And so we have nothing to fall back on. We have no rock to lean on because we do not know what God has said of us. Um, yeah. And no wonder we hold people's words yeah. and opinions at such height yeah. when we have very little yeah. communion with the Lord. Because the solution isn't to push away every good word or every negative word that people say of you. The solution is to hold the, the words of the king so closely to our heart. Like Proverbs 7 says that we are to bind them on our fingers, write them on the tablets of our hearts so that we do not fall into sin. Like that is not yeah. just like understand them intellectually. That is like hold them dearly, make them one with you so that we do not part from them. Um, yeah. And, and I think Vic, you and I were kind of talking about this earlier, but like a helpful breakdown of like levels of affirmation. I think there's like three, three circles, three tiers, I guess. The first is the crowd and, and th that's the masses. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's the comment section. It's like, you know, yeah, it's 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 the people that like are not in your life. The random come, email, the random email. It's it's stuff like that. Yeah. And they're going to love you and they hate you. And whether it's really positive or really negative or really mundane, it should carry very little weight in our life. Um, yeah. It should it should roll off our back. That, 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 that's how my dad has always yeah. said it. It should just roll off yeah. your back. Um, the second level of that is your inner circle. So I'm like, Vic, that's, that's you for me. Like there are other people in my life here where I'm like, if Vic comes to me, it's like, Hey, yo bro, I see this in your life. Or like he, he's, he's come to me a couple of times. Like, Hey man, I think you just need to be affirmed in this. That will take a lot more weight. I will take that to heart, um, a lot quicker than I will someone online that doesn't know me. And then the third one is the King. And I'm like, as much as I love Victor, he ain't God. And so the most important one is the king. The most important one is the king. So I'm like the most important one as, as good as my inner circle is, they still don't love me perfectly, know me perfectly. So I'm like, what God has said of me is what I will build my life on. I will take my inner circle to heart and the crowd, good or bad, negative or positive that needs to roll off our back. And where I've seen affirmation dig itself deep into my heart is when I either don't have an inner circle to check on me. I do not know what the king has said of me, or I take the words of the crowd and I make that my identity. Um, yeah. 
And man, I'm sure there's someone listening that like we can find ourselves in each one of those circles at some point in our lives, if not right now. Yeah, for sure. Like we so often flip flop the words of the crowd and the words of the king. And we come we become far more familiar with the words of the crowd than we are with the words of the king. It is one thing to know Bible verses. It is one thing to have intellect around theology and to know biblical principles. Yeah. Those things are great. But when we neglect time with Jesus, when we neglect communion with him, the intellect and the theology of Christianity become useless because they're not pointing us back to the king. They're pointing us to pride. And that's exactly what Satan wants. Satan wants you to become very theologically knowledgeable. Yeah. He wants you to go for that PhD. He wants you to understand the ins and outs of super lapsentarianism. Like he wants you to know those things because he knows that the more knowledgeable you become, the easier it is to pull you away from Jesus. And so the harder you have to cling to your communion with him. Well, and that's why the Bible and so says, the question, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna, like the question that you have to ask yourself as a pastor is, am I more familiar yeah. with the words of the crowd than I am with the person of Jesus? Yeah. And that's why you need people like Reagan in my life or inner circles in, in your life to be able to speak truth into that because there's no way we could know on our own apart from community. Well, and that's, you know what I mean? And that's why you got to pick your inner circle wisely because who you bring into that inner circle yeah. will have a lot of power over you. And if you bring somebody into that inner circle that does not know the gospel, they can be a great person. But like you need people on the inside that won't just tell you how awesome you are, but will tell you what God has spoken of you. Um, And that's the qualification of someone to be on the inner circle. I mean, obviously, like that's not like a blanket form for everybody. Like you make up your own stuff. That's not. But like for us and for me, that is a qualification to be in my inner circle. It's like, man, you need to love Jesus more than me. Like that's those are the people. (laughs) Those are the people I need in my life. Because like, man, there are days when like. I don't love Jesus. My flesh is raging and I need somebody who is walking intimately with the Lord to speak truth into my life. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think that inner circle should be a healthy mix of peers. Yeah. Right. Like Reagan and I, but also in my inner circle, I have a handful of mentors that I talk to on a weekly, monthly basis. We just catch up. I am a transparent book with those guys. And, they are able to speak truth and wisdom into my life because they've been there. They've been through it. They're older and wiser men that know what I'm dealing with because they've, they've just been through it. But you also need that friend, that peer to walk through the ish with you because it can get lonely. It can get tough. It can get difficult. And as, as great as it is to have someone on the other side say, you can do it like the Lord will sustain you, it hits different when you can walk alongside someone yep. in it. I, I think, And I, so that's why that inner circle needs to be that healthy mix of everyone. Yeah. Right? I, I think a good way of like illustrating what Victor just said is that you need a general and a bunkmate. Like you need someone who's going to call you out like, hey, these are the directions. This is where I've been. And you need somebody in the bunker with you to saying like, man, this sucks. I'm here. There. I'm, I'm right. I'm in there with you. And like, yeah, you need both of those um, because people in the bunker that just creates misery. And if, you just, if you just have a lot of generals, you feel very isolated. And it's like, man, I'm so far behind yeah. everybody else. Um, but man, th- th- there could be a whole podcast on friendships and inner circles and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess as we, I guess as we kind of try to land the plane here, how do you very briefly, how do you give affirmations? Right. We've talked about like a lot about receiving affirmation. We've talked a lot about the, the good and the bad of, of, you know, how we put it on a pedestal with idolatry, but also how affirmation carries weight and we should hold on to it and appreciate it. How do you give affirmation? Because the last thing I want to do is give affirmation in a way that can be perceived as lifting an individual up 
to a point where, you know, they can become self-sufficient in ministry. Yeah. How do you do that? Uh from the ministry side, I think I give affirmation and ministry and affirmation in my personal life two very different ways. Affirmation in yeah. my personal life, I'm just, I'm an affirmation person where I'm like, I, I will speak highly of you um, to your face. Um, and so in, in my day-to-day life, I'm like, I will just, I will spill out affirmation. That's just kind of how God wired me. Um, and if I'm not doing that, there's something very like, that's when my heart has wandered and something <laughs> that that's a bringing back to center. Um, from the ministry standpoint, like I've, I've always been taught the principle, um, honor people in public and whatever you say in public, double it back in private. And so if I'm going to honor you in public, I'm going to honor you twice in private. Um, in the same way, if we're going to call someone out in public, we're also going to call them out in private and we're going to call them out in private before we ever call them out in public. Um, and I think that's also a, a good, a good way to go about it because you need to be so close with your people that you need to be able to know when someone needs encouragement, um, when that needs to uplift them, and when somebody also needs to yeah. be like, hey, man, this is what I see. Um, and if you don't know the people, um, it's really hard to do that. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's no way you can affirm or call someone out yeah. if you aren't with them. Yeah. You know, alongside them, friends with them, know them, like community. And I think this has been a theme of many of the podcasts we've recorded thus far. Burnout, loneliness, you know, affirmation is that a lot of this stuff is dealt with more easily and more biblically when it is dealt with in the concept of community. Yeah, And so if you've listened to these past three episodes and have taken anything as a young pastor, a young person in the church, a young person in the workplace, wherever you might be in life, we cannot stress enough the idea of community. It is how we were created. It was how we are wired. And if you are not actively seeking community, then you are walking backwards in your walk with Jesus. Yeah. And there's just, there's just no, there's just no way around that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, dang, I think- 40, 47 minutes in affirmation. Well, I think that's crazy. I mean, it's add it's, to it. It's kind of standard. Like, I think this is both of us are pastors. And so I think especially like we're not content creators. We are pastors first and foremost. And so there's a part of my yeah. heart that I'm like, I know there's somebody listening to this that is like, man, I haven't heard somebody tell me that they're proud of me. And like, hear me in this. I don't know you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know you. <laughs> don't hear the words. You might. of us like, you are loved. You are proud. Like dog, we don't know you. Um, we'd you like might to be know the you. worst sinner at your church. Yeah. But like, hear this. There is a God who loves you who knows you, who knitted you together in your mother's womb. And he takes pride in you because you are in his image. Um, yeah. It's, it's like, it's like the, the, the dad that sits on the sidelines and like their, their, their kid is playing T-ball or whatever. And like the kid might suck, but like the dad is so proud just because like, that's my son. Yeah. Like that's kind of how the father looks at us. Like he takes pride in us because he made us. And like, yeah. if you haven't heard that in a while, there's a God who loves you and he's proud of you. Don't look for that from us. That yeah. comes from God and from his word. Yeah. So if you get any that, anything from this, go read Psalm 139 and tell me you're not loved by the God of the universe. Yeah. God is jealous for you. Like he desires you more than you could desire him or more than you could desire your people. He loves you more than you could love yourself. Anyone else in your life could love you. He is, we, like you are, we are humanity, the pinnacle of his creation, right? Going back to that Ephesians one, before anything existed, God knew you. And if there's anything that as a pastor, as a Christian, as someone who needs Jesus more daily can lean on, it is the truth that Jesus loves you. He cares about you and he has for eternity past and he will for eternity future. Yeah. And that's what we rest in. 
a huge saying at our church is God's past grace is proof of his future grace. And so if there is any truth in that, let us rest in that and in that alone, because that will be what sustains us. So awesome. Cool. Well, 50 minutes now. 50 minutes of affirmation. I think I, that, I think that, out of that all was, the episodes that, that that was the coming out of the pulpit moment. That was the time when the notes go down. It's like, all right, let me just speak. Right. Let me just speak to right. someone real quick. That's a word for you today. Let's just let the Holy Spirit do his thing. <laughs> well, guys, we uh we hope you've enjoyed the podcast thus far. We've really enjoyed creating it and posting it and yeah really interacting with you guys you can find us on social tiktok has been where we have been posting a ton of stuff so check us out there sanctified dash ish on tiktok you can find a ton of awesome clips i think we're going to start doing some like tiktok exclusive stuff so go follow us there you know we drop every friday on all of your podcast platforms spotify apple podcasts the one person who's listening to us on google podcasts good for you good for you do not give in to apple's mega youth pastor takeover i'm proud of you and we love you a little bit less than the apple users but we still love you guys we're thankful for you we'll see you guys next friday until then peace Take care and God bless. That was really good.